0: His name, Jeffrey Peter Jakes. (laughs) The year, 1999. Linda and I were in uh, Miami uh, for a few months uh, at the Miami Project, and Jeff was contacted by one of his brothers-in-law, He has a number of brothers-in-law, most of whom are members of this church, but like to remain anonymous. (laughs) But this one, uh, let's just call him Doug. (laughs) Called Jeff and said, Jeff, let's have a sports weekend. Let's take off next Saturday morning. Let's go down. We'll watch the Miami Hurricane game. Uh, That afternoon and that night, we'll go to a hockey game uh, in Fort Lauderdale. And then Sunday, let's get Chuck, and let's go to the Miami Dolphin game. And uh, thus they did. And uh, when they got to uh, me uh, that Saturday night late and stayed where we were staying, and the next morning, uh, uh, Doug and I, uh, we were meeting for breakfast, and we were wondering where Jeff was. Uh, Of course we were going to wait for him. (laughs) And we're eating, and sure enough, the door opens, and in lopes the big doofus. <laughs> and he can't wait, uh, even before he's eating, he's kind of eating with one hand, and, and uh, he's, he can't wait to tell us what he just learned in his devotions. Now, Doug and I were kind of anxious to get to the game, but... I was so amazed that this young youth pastor can't wait to share with us. We'd learn his devotions. Fast forward a couple years, and a few of us were having lunch with Jeff, and we asked him, uh, What are you doing in your devotions? And sure enough, he pulled up his satchel, uh, just like he mentioned a little bit ago. And he started pulling out books. First, he was reading the Bible through in a year, as is his custom, which is a tremendous uh, undertaking. And then he pulled out uh, Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, then The Valley of Vision, The Prayers of the Puritans, and a couple of other books. And, uh, you know, some of us were a little worn out. And we said, Jeff, are you sure you've got that much time to spend with the Lord every morning? He said, if I don't, I'm not gonna be a very effective pastor or person. Of all the requirements that I want in a pastor, it's it's that I want a man who is obsessed with his personal relationship with God. I want a man who's all consumed with spending time with God. Two New Year's resolutions. I'd like to propose that to might apply uh, one or both, maybe none, uh, this morning. I've got a don't and a do. Don't. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. And you say, well, I think, uh, you know, I think I'm okay with this one. Or maybe some of you say, well, I'm not so sure. We typically uh, think of using the Lord's name in vain, uh, the GD this or GD that, or JC or just the J or just the C, and just some exclamation like that. And maybe some of you, um, you know, slip into that. But is that all that that command means? Let's look at it again. Exodus 20 Verse 7 says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Well, now we see that, and we see that God's not going to leave a man unpunished if he uses his name vain, but what does vain really mean? Notice how the New International Version translates that same verse. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord, your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So using the Lord's name in vain really means if you misuse God's name, any misuse of God's name is using it in vain. And we say, well, maybe I do slip a little bit, but let's go a little bit further. Let's talk about the name of God. Do you remember when Moses was being confronted at the burning bush with God and, and uh, God was telling Moses, I want you to go and uh, bring the people out of Egypt, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses was giving God all the excuses why he, uh, why he didn't want to do that and he wasn't going to do that. And. And uh, he can't, uh, he's not eloquent, he stutters, he's got this problem, that And finally, Moses says, okay, I'll go. But God, who shall I say sent me? What is your name? Look what it says, Exodus 3.14. And God said to Moses... I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now that's his name. I am. Now this is a very uh, complex, uh, um, it's a complex uh, to be verb. It literally means what um, we just sang about. God says, I was who I was, I am who I am, and I will be who I will be. In other words, I am eternal, I am infinite, and this is my name, I am. And we can stretch it out, and it's Yahweh. and Yahweh, we get Jehovah, God. So now we see... That God's name, the very word, G O D, God, is holy. Now, let me just look at some verses and we'll be on the screen. And just, I, I want to emphasize this. I, I don't want to oversell you. Um, my father was the greatest salesman uh, in the world. He, um, I, I think he could have sold an Apple computer to Bill Gates. But um, <clears throat> if he could have got in to see him, and he'd probably figure that out too. The, uh, and, and, but he said, don't ever oversell. When I was a young stockbroker, don't oversell. Get, get, get to your point, sell, and then close the sale. Now, I, I, I'm going to be overselling you here because I think this is so important. This is one of the Ten Commandments, And it's something that we need to take heed to. Deuteronomy 28, 58. Fear his honored and awesome name. We're to fear even his name. Leviticus 22, 2. So as not to profane me. No, not to profane my holy name. If you profane my name, you profane me. Isaiah 29, 3. They will glorify me. No, they will glorify thy name. Same thing. Isaiah 57, 15. Thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever and whose name is holy. Ezekiel 36, 23. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name. Daniel 2, 20. Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever for wisdom and power belong to him. Then remember when Jesus' disciples came to him, they say, uh, um, Lord uh, teach us how to pray jesus says matthew six nine our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, holy is your name, our Father who art in heaven, you are holy, no our father who art in heaven holy is is even your name john eight fifty eight when the when the, um, uh, the Jewish leaders were really, uh, really after Jesus and really uh, uh, confused by him. Uh, and Jesus was uh, interacting with them. And, and uh, Jesus was saying, um, you know, uh, how do you call yourself sons of Abraham? And they said, you, you, you're not, Jesus, you can't possibly be, you couldn't possibly be alive when Abraham was. Jesus says at the end of that passage, John 8.58. He said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. There's a couple of interesting things here that he says. One, he verbalizes the name of God. I am. They didn't verbalize the name of God. Jesus verbalized that and is also uh, saying, I am. Jehovah God. I am the one who was, who is, and who will be. And it was so unusual for anybody to pronounce, verbalize God's name back then. They were so afraid of this commandment that they didn't even want to verbalize the word God. So much so that when the scribes were copying a Uh, the Old Testament from one parchment to the next. They didn't have the the printing press or our printers that we have now. And when they were uh, transcribing this, or when they were uh, writing on new parchment, whenever they came to the word God, they got up from the table, they walked around the table and they washed their hands, sat back down, and wrote the name. That's how holy they believed even the name was. So how do we misuse it today? My friends, you don't have to go very far before we hear the most common misuse of God's name in our culture today. Oh, my God. The most common exclamation in our culture today, especially by young people, but adults as well. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Or Jesus. Or Christ. And it slips into the church. Instead of the church impacting culture... The culture impacts us. So pretty soon, even Christians, we're saying it. And you say, wait a minute, Chuck. I didn't know. I didn't know. Well, just because you didn't know uh, doesn't mean you are uh, without uh, guilt. If you go 90 miles an hour on the expressway and a policeman pulls you over and he said, you're going 90 miles an hour, the speed limit here is 70. And you say, gosh, I didn't know. He's going to say, oh, well, that's all right. If you didn't know, it's okay. No, he gives you a little reminder. (laughs) So you know next time. So my friends, if you are guilty here, I want you to acknowledge it and to confess it to the Lord. And to be cleansed. And to be forgiven. For a sin, one of the top ten that you've been sinning without even knowing it. Well, let's get to the do. do. I am convinced that um, the key to the Christian life, you know, the disciples would come to Jesus. And they'd say, Jesus, uh," you know, they'd kind of saddle up to him and say, Jesus, can I can I sit on your right when I get there? Uh, You know, or Jesus, we got these top 10 commandments, but what's the most important one? Give me a shortcut, Jesus. Well, I'll tell you what I believe is the key to the Christian life. 30 years as a minister, the key to the Christian life to have personal devotions. Daily devotions, quiet time. Now, That might not be a surprise, but I'm wondering that if it's the key, why we all aren't doing it, you know, every day. Well, uh, probably many of you do it and probably a number of others of you have done it and know the value of it, but you know, it's a busy life. So we slip. We must remember, my friends, before anything else, that we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We say that, but do we understand it? A personal relationship with Christ. Think of other people you have a relationship with, a personal relationship with. In order to have a good relationship with somebody, there must be two-way communication. Not just one way, but two-way communication. On a regular basis, a daily basis. Our father sent his son to die on that cross. And he offers us forgiveness for our sins. Using the Lord's name in vain, as well as all the others that you and I are guilty of. And he provides a a place for us in heaven. But he says, why are you on earth? I want to be your best friend, Jesus says. I want to be your best friend. And to be a best friend, we've got to have a, a close relationship. To have a close relationship... We need to have two way communication. I want you to talk to me in prayer, but I want to talk to you. And so much I have to say to you that I've given you my word. Notice a couple of verses here about this personal relationship. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You say, boy, I just don't feel very close to the Lord. So we end this year. How how is your relationship with the Lord? Is it a little distant? Is it a little dry? Could you lose could you could you use some refreshing? Could you use a, a new commitment? It's tough. It's so tough that God acknowledges it. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, he says, You will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart, you search for, me. it's a pursuit. Proverbs eight seventeen: he who diligently seeks me will find me. There is a, a pursuit to this relationship that is incumbent upon us. And, and we're pretty cavalier as we live on this side of the cross. We really take advantage of grace. Oh, I'm so thankful we live on this side of the cross. I'm so thankful for grace. But we really take advantage of this personal relationship. And we really don't do our part very well. Prayer. We speak to him. Look at these couple of verses. Pray without ceasing. There's constant communication. And and we should have that. We should have constant communication through the day. I know that uh, especially couples, uh, husbands and wives, you'll have... Communication through the day, maybe talk to each other, uh, uh, you know, while one or one or both are at work, and uh, what's for dinner, and you come home and uh, talk about the kids and that kind of thing. And there's a constant communication, but there must be a time where you sit down. He says, "Be still and know that I am God." Psalm forty six ten. He says, "Be still and know that." I mean, there's a place where. Uh, we need to sit down with our spouse and look each other in the eye and communicate on a little deeper way. Um, I know that that's sometimes harder for men than it is for women. I don't know that. I don't, uh, all I know is that when Linda says, uh, you know, we need to talk Oh my goodness. I'll tell you, one of the three uh, worst words a husband wants to hear is we need to talk. I guess that's four words. (laughs) I get it after three. We need to, oh boy. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and of course the temptation is to leave the TV on while we're talking and you know, and well, turn it down a little bit and uh, okay, I'll mute it. But, uh, but I, I'm still looking at her and occasionally just kind of glance over her shoulder and thinking she doesn't notice, but she does. There's a place, my friends, where we need with God to be still and know he's God, to take a few minutes every day and communicate with him have constant communication, yes, but also to take a few moments and to be still with him. Scripture, he speaks to us. It's a two-way communication. And uh, look at these verses, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify, set set us apart in truth. We must know what his word. This is how he speaks to us. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. How's your faith as you come to the end of this year? How's your faith? Is it strong? Is it as strong at the end of this year as it was at the beginning, or two years ago, or five years ago? If you haven't, have you been spending time in God's Word? Say, Chuck, I, I do on Sunday. I, I come to church and, yes, that's good. There's a place, my friends, where individually we need to be listening to God by reading his word. Some practical helps. We've got a book table this morning outside where I wanted to have some practical helps. It's bright light books which is owned by Scott Huber, Scott and Amy Huber, uh, two of our members. And um, uh, they have uh, provide this book table. So I've got some of these books out there. I say I've got, he's got, uh, well, not even he, he's, he's on vacation. But, but, uh, <laughs> but he set Bob Earl up with some books here. If any of you want to grab something today, say, man, I am... Uh, You know, I'm convicted. I want to get back into the word. I want to take a challenge. So we've got some books on the book table. Well, the first thing you need is a good Bible. And we all have lots of Bibles at home. But do you have one that is your favorite, that is yours, uh, in a good translation? If not, I want you to go out and buy one. And buy an expensive one. All right, I want you to buy a leather one. Put your name on it. I don't care, 40, 50 bucks, 60, 70. Uh, you know, I don't care. I mean, think how much you spend on sneakers. You know, and, and they'll wear out before year end. You'll have this Bible forever. But go out and get a Bible. Get one in a translation. What's the best translation? The one you'll read. Some of you, uh, you know, like, uh, have a preference. The most popular Translation the last uh, twenty or thirty years is the new international version, NIV. New, that's the most popular. Um, but get one that you like. Mark it up. Bring it to church. Learn uh, where the books of Bible are. But secondly, read the Bible through in a year. Now that is an ominous task. There's a little track in your in your bulletin, and. Uh, uh, you know our pastor reads uh, reads the Bible through every year. That is the that is the linchpin in his personal devotions. And if you do that, God honors you. God honors those who honor Him. God will honor you if you spend a few minutes. But it's it's a it's a big commitment. So we've got a we've got a, a plum for you. The plum is that Dr. Kistemaker. We are so blessed in this church to have a real scholar uh, in in our in our midst, and that's Dr. Kistemaker. I mean, he is. I he taught he taught me. He taught all of us in seminary. That's how old he is. but he, and he still teaches at the seminary and he, and he, he writes books and commentaries on the Bible. Well, he has agreed that every Sunday, this calendar year, that he is going to teach on the section, uh, for the week, either the week just passed or the week coming up. And, and that's going to be for some of you say, man, I want to give it a try. You give it a try, get into Genesis. You know, some of you've tried that and and boy, Genesis is pretty exciting with creation and the flood. And and then you get into Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and get into Joseph. Oh, man, Exodus and Moses and Ten Commandments. And, and then you get into Leviticus. <laughs> Numbers. <laughs> Deuteronomy. And... Uh, Many of us, you know, drift off. And then we're a few days behind, then a couple of weeks, a few weeks, well, we just forget it. Well, maybe you should spend a year and a half or, or two years. And You miss a day, that's fine. But, uh, but that's, that's going to be a plum. For those of you who'd like to try it, it takes, uh, I, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes a day um, to read that. That's not a lot of time. It sounds good. Now, but in our busy lives, uh, generally the first thing we cut out is our quiet time with the Lord. Now, thirdly, for those of you who might not be quite as ambitious, there's a, a, a devotional called Meet the Bible, which again is daily through the year, and it's about oh, five to seven minutes, and you read a portion of the scripture, uh, and it starts at Genesis, and it, and it just goes Uh, It doesn't read all the scripture. It just picks up some highlights. And I know there's one group that has been doing that this past year. And they get together once a week and they discuss it. Again, holding themselves a little bit accountable for reading it. Now, um, Morning and Evening by Charles Spurgeon. Jeff's favorite. Uh, It's tremendous. We've got some of those uh, out on the book table. Uh, The Valley of Vision. The prayers of the Puritans again. Uh, that which Jeff uh, really really likes. That's out there. Um, and, and sixthly, uh, the fourth seed. The fourth seed is a men's devotional. It's published by Man in the Mirror, Pat Morley's ministry. It's about five minutes a day and uh, five days a week, and it's and it's sent to you every couple of months. And uh, and a lot of men really. Like having a couple of days' grace, but uh, there's some of those out there. So I really want to encourage you to work on your personal relationship with Jesus. And the only way you can do it, my friends, is in two way communication. Not just one, but it's in two way. Three frogs sitting on a log, floating down a stream. One frog uh, decides he's going to jump off. How many frogs are on that log? Well, still three. He decided, but he hadn't done it. We can make decisions, my friends, but let us always remember what James one twenty two says. But prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Let's pray together. Has God spoken to you this morning? Has the Holy Spirit nudged you about one of these resolutions? Is it that... Commandment about taking the Lord's name in vain. Is it something that you do and just didn't know? You, You didn't know, but you need. You need to confess that, my friends. You need to repent of that sin. Profaning his holy name. Realizing you won't go unpunished if you continue to do that. These quiet moments, I want to encourage you to to talk to him, to ask him to forgive you and to enable you never to do it again. And when you slip, go instantly back to him for forgiveness there. Or maybe you need that nudging from the Lord because your personal relationship has been a little bit dry with him. And if you don't feel quite as close, who moved he's there waiting he's waiting for you, he's given you his word, he wants to talk to you he wants you to talk to him let's have just a few moments of silent prayer right now And if God has spoken to you or nudged you, you talk to him he's there if you're here visiting or maybe have never made that personal relation, that personal commitment to Christ this morning it's up to you To realize Jesus died on the cross for you. Divide him into your life to be your Lord and your Savior. May God enable you to do that as well. Let's take a few moments and talk to the one who's talked to us. Father, we thank you so much for sending your son to this earth, just celebrating his birth. Mindful of his perfect life, but especially mindful of his death on the cross for us, for our sins, each and every one willing to forgive us if we but repent, receive you into our lives. Father, as you've heard, so many of your children here this morning that have repented, especially of using your holy name in vain, oh God, cleanse them. May they feel a freshness of being forgiven as they leave and enable them not to do it again, God especially our young people, as well as those of us more mature, setting bad examples. May the New Year's resolutions that are going to be made here this morning be kept as we work on our relationship with Jesus. We pray in his precious name. Amen.